The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us today is Yale professor Jason Stanley, author of the book that I'm pretty much obsessed with at this point, How Fascism Works. Thank you so much for being here today. I have a million questions because we're in a perilous time in America. Good morning. How are you? Well, good afternoon, because I think you are in Europe. Yes, I'm in Vienna. <laughs> yes, wonderful. How is it there? <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's hot and people have less of an alarm than they should have about the goings on in the United States. Oh, well, that is an interesting, that's actually an interesting observation because I'm always curious um, what 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 um, our politics looks like from, from afar. Um, so How Fascism Works um, is, is one of the books that you have written that I want to focus on today because of of the current moment that we're in. And um, when I first wanted to talk to you, it was probably related to the insurrection or Donald Trump specifically. And I want to get to that, too. Um, But also, now that we have a Supreme Court decision overturning Roe versus Wade, I feel like this is all coming together um, in a way that maybe only you could have predicted um, or experts in fascism could have predicted. Um, so my first question to sort of set this up for folks who haven't um, read the book, How Fascism Works, um, one of the first points that you make in the very beginning is that this this very sort of movement that we're seeing in this particular country, this authoritarian through line that we're seeing in this era is based on this idea that we have to go back to some sort of past that like didn't exist. It's like all made up. It's you say it's a pure mythical, pure mythic past, tragically destroyed, um, is the quote, um, and that there is like one leader in the in our case Donald Trump who is going to take us there. Um, so help us understand, you know, what pa- past um, you know these extremists are trying to take us back to in so many different ways on many many fronts, and how Donald Trump is the authoritarian leader that they are looking to to lead us there. So here's the psychology of fascism. It's it's ba- if you first make people feel that the anxiety that comes from not being able to afford health insurance, not knowing whether next check will come from, you make them feel that that anxiety is not due to that, but rather because they've lost something. In the past, they were great. White men were great just for being white men. So you make them feel that something has been taken away from them. And in the United States, uh, uh, dating well back uh, to Du Bois' 1935 book, Black Reconstruction, he talked about the psychological wages of whiteness. There's a kind of there's a kind of wage you get, a feeling that this country is about you. This is your country. 
And so what you have is you have this politics that tells the dominant group, uh, white men, essentially, that their special place is being threatened. It's being threatened by feminism. In German fascism, the idea was that Jews, Jewish Marxists are behind feminism and trying to, and, and women's equality was really a way to take men's rights away. Uh, so you, you make them feel that in the past, there was this incredible thing where they were special and minorities and women are displacing them. So great replacement theory has been very, is at the heart uh, of fascist politics. So it's nativism, racism, the idea, you know, that, that whites are dominant and, you know, there was a black president, there are black people on TV all the time, <laughs> uh, black, black people's issues are being spoken about. Uh, when you too are suffering, they're, they're, take, they're displacing you from the center of the discourse. So that's central to the politics we're seeing now. And fascism always represents this past as a time when the nation was great and its representatives were men, were great men, uh, uh, usually generals, uh, some kind of generals, warriors, business, great capitalists. Uh, and this past has been taken away and the future will just belong to people who are not white men. I mean, it's it's crazy when you explain all of that, because it's like so obvious to me, like you don't have to see the matrix on this one. This one feels um, like it's staring us right in the face. You also talk about how the patriarchal family is at the center of this myth, right? This idea that white men, they they're at the top, they're the leader of the country, but and, you know, of every everything, every business, every institution, but they're also the head of the household, they're the leader of the family. And part of part of what I think in this particular moment is important to keep in mind is that this whole effort to, um, you know, take away the bodily autonomy from half of the population, pre people who can get pregnant, um, the anti-abortion movement, um, it, it, it's also a part of this effort to reinstate the patriarchal family with the man at the top. The woman is there for the the birthing and the mothering and the cooking. Um, and we're trying to get back to this, this mythic past, but like that didn't really exist for everybody. So I, 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 I find it interesting to your point that it's a, it's a myth, it's a myth that we're trying to get back to in terms of reinstating the patriarchal family structure. Absolutely. It's, it's always, it, you know, the, the construction of the past is always a myth. And here the myth is structured by the invocation of the constitution as if the constitution justifies con uh, owning the libs, you know, the constitution <laughs> says, you know, go own the libs and laugh at New York City. <laughs> Actually, that's not in the constitution. <laughs> so, uh, so the myth, so it's, it's all this narrative, this mythical narrative, the constitution is supposed to tell you that actually in the past uh, that, you know, uh, you know, they're just inventing things like uh, Congresswoman uh, Bobart, said that the constitution says that uh, the church should tell the state what to do. <laughs> the constitution <laughs> says no such thing, right. but they're, I mean, obviously, but they're free to invent these things uh, because it's all a myth. And the idea is we're gonna describe this past and it's always a very similar past country after country. So if you look at India now, they're doing exactly this with Hinduism. They're saying, you know, really we're Hindu and the Muslims are, are a threat and we must, you know, they're a threat to our nation. Uh, and in the past we were all Hindu. Uh, so 
so this is this is the structure they make you they make you look away from what's happening uh, and what's happening is that they want you to they want to cut taxes on the wealthy give the billionaire class as much power as they want and they want to say hey you know we're going to remove rights from women uh, remove rights from black americans remove voting rights uh, uh, and you'll be and you can laugh at the liberals and the liberals will be suffering and marching uh, but the real agenda is to protect the wealthy class. That's why folks like Peter Thiel, who's a multi-billionaire and also LGBT, uh, is funding politicians who are attacking LGBT rights. He doesn't care. He just wants his money protected. He's taking advantage of the fears of poor, of poor, white, poor white Americans uh, uh, to essentially give him two senators uh, who will vote to cut his taxes, uh, uh, make uh, allow billionaires to operate in an unconstrained way and he'll play cultural politics throw cultural politics to the masses um so so there, there's a word that the historian my colleague timothy snyder uses sado populism mm. the idea is that you know the thing that the people get is not health insurance is not equal rights is not it's it's not you know uh social security the thing they get is they get to see the liberals uh, and the minorities and, and women uh, cry out in anguish. That's mm. what they get from this politics. I mean, it, when, when this is all sort of unpacked in this way, it's like I hope people at home, there's like light bulbs going off in your brain because that's what's happening for me. Um, because I feel in so many ways, like this particular moment is teaching us um, about all of this, unfortunately. The other question that I have is about corruption because I actually flagged um, a quote from the book um, and I I sort of understood this during the Obama administration and sort of the, the whole birtherism, you know, he's not a legitimate president. I understood that to be racism from, from the very beginning, but there's also another piece to this and you talk a lot about the fact that, um, you know, part of the ability of Trump and the Republicans right now to push a message while, you know, taxing uh, millionaires and billionaires um, less and basically, you know, engaging in a lot of different forms of corruption is they're able to do it through propaganda by concealing the goals that they have um, and masking the ideas, um, masking them in ideas that are acceptable to the rest of us. So they mask their cor corruption under the guise of anti-corruption. That sounds just like Donald Trump. But the quote is, Quote, to many white Americans, President Obama must have been corrupt because his very occupation of the White House was a kind of corruption of the traditional order. When women attained positions of political power, usually reserved for men, or when Muslims, blacks, Jews, homosexuals, or cosmopolitans profit or even share the public goods of democracy, such as health care, that is perceived as corruption. Fascist politicians know that their supporters will turn a blind eye to their own true corruption, since in their own case... It is just a matter of members of the chosen nation taking what is rightfully there. So unpack that for us, because I think even Trump's ability to, you know, capture the imagination of about 30 percent of the American electorate is because of this quote. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So for first, realize yourself that Donald Trump ran an anti-corruption campaign in 2016. <laughs> Donald Trump, <laughs> uh, who's <laughs> So that, you know, Vladimir Putin 
uh, arguably the richest man in the world, ran an anti-corruption campaign in 2011. Uh, these, these authoritarians always run, fa fascists always run uh, corrupt anti-corruption campaigns. Now we, and we in America know this very well because it's our long, it's, it's our long history of racism. The idea is, uh, the, the longstanding idea in American politics is that when black people get access to the ballot, it's corruption. So, uh, so Du Bois says, so Reconstruction was a period in, in the United States when black Americans were able to vote. Uh, Reconstruction ended uh, after about a decade and black Americans under Jim Crow were not able to vote uh, in, the, in the South. Uh, and and uh, various strategies have kept black Americans from voting uh, ever since. Uh, for instance, Mississippi is 38% black population, but hardly any, the black population is hardly any political power. So, uh, so what you see in America, longstanding means when black people are able to vote, it's corrupt. Uh, so Donald Trump in the 2020 election claimed that all these black majority cities or cities with large black populations were corrupt. Uh, that's where the cheating was going on. So this idea that when black people, when when not when people who aren't white Christian men uh, gain power, that's corruption. That could only happen because of corruption. Because what corruption means in the mouths of a fascist is that uh, is that us, we, the dominant majority, the white men, uh, we uh, should should have power, uh, uh, are not in power. Uh, uh, Anti-corruption means we run things. Uh, mm. Corruption means the wrong people uh, are are getting uh, are are getting support, uh, are getting money, are getting uh, political power or or funds, uh, uh, like you know the the uh, the undeserved, mm -hmm. <laughs> and and uh, which in America has always meant black people, uh, and uh, and. Uh, the, the, when rich people get off for their financial crimes, no one was punished for the financial crisis. Mm -hmm. um, uh, speaking of the Obama administration, mm -hmm. uh, that's, you know, because punishing rich people would be wrong. <laughs> uh, so uh, so that's, that's what it taps into, this idea that, you know, every time you hear the meme, you know, a Democrat cities are corrupt, mm -hmm. you're hearing this idea that they, it's it's what corruption is, is they have it's them having political power. It's so fascinating to think about it um, with that frame because now everything makes a lot more sense. <laughs> um, yeah. And in a lot of ways, I worked for Hillary Clinton in 2016, and one of the things that you know I spent several years sort of processing after the fact was why why there was always sort of a cloud over her public. Um, public image that she was corrupt. <laughs> um, right. Like, why were they always investigating her for all kinds of things all the time? And then, you know, I remember um, in the New York Times, uh, they they had a whole reporter. It might have been the Guardian, um, but they were like, Hillary Clinton is actually one of the politicians that has the most integrity and the proof is that she's been investigated so much and they never find anything. Um, and so, so I think it goes to your point about inherently her attempting to become the president of the United States or even having as much power as she did up until that point that inherently was corrupt because she wasn't supposed to be there. That's what's corrupt about her. It's not any of the, her decisions or policy choices at the end of the day, what was corrupt was that she wanted to be in charge 
Absolutely. I mean, I think in the philosopher Kate Mann has has developed this with the case of Hillary Clinton, particularly. We have to realize the United States is one of the few democracies that has never had a female leader, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, we're supposed to lead the world in democracy and democracy's values. And we've just rolled back women's rights uh, to uh, when Poland uh, banned abortion, uh, the women, the world was outraged. Mm -hmm. People said, you know, this cannot happen. Uh, you know, you cannot do the sweeping ban on abortion, this this rollback to the past. Uh, the the now there are many people who are not fascist who are anti-abortion, but uh, fascism because fascism always fetishizes birth rates. So mm. the idea is that the the dominant group is going to be replaced. So we have to incentivize uh, you know the dominant group to have more kids. So it's all all about you know the the white the white people in America having more kids. Uh, so uh, so India, uh, the province Uttar Pradesh just made it illegal for a Hindu man to marry, a to, for a Muslim man to marry a Hindu woman because that would be taking away uh, you know, future Hindu children. Um, so there's this fetishization of births among the, uh, the, uh, uh, among the dominant group. Uh, the Nazis had the strictest anti-abortion laws uh, in, in, in the known world. Uh, the, there was an absolute ban on abortion. There was a Ministry on Homosexuality and Abortion, which banned homosexuality and abortion for Aryans. Now, the, so the Nazis, like the anti-abortion -abor uh, movement, think of abortion as murder. So they said it was fine for Jews to have abortions because it's fine to murder Jews. Uh, but so the Nazis thought abortion was murder and as a result, no Aryan woman was allowed to have an abortion. Any doctor caught having uh, providing such services to Aryan women was was uh, punished, was sent to prison. Uh, so this 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 fixation on the the birth rate, uh, on the on not being replaced, on keeping the dominant group dominant, is at the center of the politics we see. Wow. <laughs> when you when you process all of what you just said with what moment we're currently in. Um, it, it, it's got to become ringing alarm bells at home. Um, you also talk about the undermining of an independent judiciary. So I think that's the perfect segue to the current moment and the Supreme Court decision, because to your point about the idea that we want as many white babies born as possible, um, you know, I keep thinking about the fact that there's been so much more reporting and attention paid to the fact that there's a maternal mortality crisis among black and brown women. Um, and now our Supreme Court has said, like, everybody's forced to have birth now. The government is going to force you to have um, have the baby, even if you don't want to, even if it might kill you, even if you might, um, you know, suffer complications as a result of, of the pregnancy. Um, the government is dictating that. I mean, can you speak to how, how much um, this current moment falls in line with those historical examples you just mentioned in terms of increasing the number of white babies born while also putting black and brown people in even more dangerous situations because it's not like they support more access to you know prenatal care or health care affordable um prenatal care for for any of the people who now will be put into a situation where they do have to carry a pregnancy to term Right. There's absolutely no pro-family policies. There's absolutely no, you know, the, the Republican Party is is categorically opposed to 
to better health and to providing what every Western democracy provides its citizens, namely uh, uh, health care upon demand uh, and, and access with no essentially free access to excellent health care. Uh, I'm in Austria where it would cost, you know, nothing to go to the doctor. <laughs> you just walk a surgery would cost barely nothing, barely anything, you know, $20 or whatever if I needed it. So, uh, so uh, what the Republican, Republican Party is not, not only not budging on these issues, they're promising to give us even less health care. Uh, now, who suffers when the state removes funds? Well, everyone suffers is the real answer. And white people disproportionately suffer because there are a lot of white people in the United States. But white Americans think that it's black people who disproportionately mm. suffer. And that's what matters. And we need to keep emphasizing, as Du Bois did, as, as in all black liberation movements have, and that's where I draw my inspiration and understanding of the situation, is, uh, is that these uh, race is something used to divide us, to make uh, white people uh, not realize that this is killing them too. Yes. Uh, so, so what it's being done is for the rich people. Now, uh, you know, the, the, the propaganda that get, gets piped to middle, poor and middle-class white Americans is uh, the government funding goes to the quote, undeserved unquote, which in their ideology is black Americans. Uh, and it is true that the less government funding uh, goes to health, the more they destroy our healthcare system, which is already just awful. Um, the more they destroy it, the it is going to fall. That burden is going to fall on black mothers. And there's absolutely no, uh, and as you so, there maybe there is, they're, they're thinking there isn't a worry about more black children. That's that's something that that they're obviously trying to promote fear of. Um, but the reality is, this is going to hurt everyone. The yeah. Republican policies are going to hurt everyone. Uh, this is the point of Jonathan Metzl's book, Dying of Whiteness. Right. Um, you get white, you use race, the wealthy are using race to get white people to vote against their own futures. It's really, really important to understand all of this. My last question in the last three minutes is actually about January 6th, because obviously authoritarianism comes in a lot of different forms. Fascism comes in a lot of different forms, um, but also, you know, violence, political violence, coups, that's not something that is wholly unrelated to what we're talking about, right? It's not just about propaganda. It's not just about corruption, um, you know, about stealing um, from the populace or implementing policies um, that, you know, disproportionately harm people. It's also about the political violence. Can you talk about the insurrection um, and the fact that we're, you know, we're, we're living through a period of time where the normalization of political violence um, is a top of mind concern um and we're still left with the question about like how and whether to hold the people who um incited that political violence accountable what are the dangers of not holding them accountable and how do you see january 6th fitting into this larger issue we're having with fascism in this country so if this was a rule of law country, everyone would be held accountable. And that would be, as we've seen from the Gen January 6th hearings, that would be a large majority of the Republican Party. Uh, there were some Republicans that were ethical and they need to be lifted up. Um, but, uh, but we have seen that everyone in Washington, D.C. knew that it was completely made up that Trump, uh, the, the big lie that 
Trump really won the election. Everyone in Washington, see the January 6th committee has shown the American people that not one single person in DC in Trump's inner circle or in the Republican party believed that Trump won the election. So we know that. So that means that everyone who said out loud, who joined Trump in trying to overthrow the election knew they were overthrowing a democratic election. Let's put it this way. They knew they were throwing, overthrowing American democracy. These are enemies of the United States. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, whether they go with Trump or DeSantis or, or uh, whatever leader they go, go for, what we've seen is that there is inside one of our two major parties, there is an anti-democratic fascist party that, that wants to overthrow U.S. democracy and, and have permanent minority rule. Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, we now know that they, that they didn't fall for this ridiculousness. Of course they didn't. These are Harvard, Princeton, Stanford trained super elites. Uh, and they're going up there and raising their fist in the air uh, like some clown show <laughs> revolution. Th these are, but it isn't a clown show. I know, now I know. Systematically changed the laws because these are smart people. Um, you know, these are, you know, Ted Cruz is exactly my age. He was the, you know, the Princeton uh, top debating champion, uh, uh, top, top debater. You know, these are people who knowingly and intentionally seek to overthrow the United States of America and replace it with a one party system run by them for the interests of the billionaire class. I mean, it's, it's so scary to think about where we are, but I'm grateful to you for being able to talk us through it because unless I believe that unless you can understand the moments, uh, the his history they're living through, you can't, you can't push back against it. There's no, there's no fight to be had unless you understand. You have to be able to see the matrix. <laughs> um, and and um, your work helps us do that. So the book we were talking about, it's not your only book, but it is the book that um, I think is um, one that is so relevant to this moment, How Fascism Works. Professor Jason Stanley from Yale. Thank you so much. I, I'm so yeah. grateful um, to have you here. I would love to have you back because <laughs> I feel like this conversation is not over. <laughs> we're going to no. still be having it. Um, for many years to come. So um, I would I would love to have you. Thank you so much for being here today. Please stay safe. Enjoy Vienna. I might come join because I I'm considering places to go <laughs> uh, because America is turning into a fascist country. Um, yeah. But uh, but but, it's but we're, sort of we're, like, we're, we're going to stay here and fight. Yeah, we're, we're going to we're going to fight. But I yep. sometimes I, I think that I can fight from the beach somewhere, um, what I, what, at least temporarily. What I always remember is the civil rights movement happened in Alabama and Mississippi. It didn't happen in Vermont and Maine. So if they could do it there, we can do it now. Facts. Facts. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday.